This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we're talking about horrible money habits. And with me today, I have financial planner Julie Chadwick. Hi, Mary. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So horrible money habits are something that a lot of people have. And hopefully if we kind of talk about some of these, it'll help boost you to better habits. Right. And what better person to talk to about having helping to get rid of those horrible habits than Mary and I. And I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Mary because today we received some good news that Mary actually received the 2020 Best in State Wealth Advisor from Forbes magazine. Ah, uh, thank you. Hey, and guess what? It's not only the first time, it's literally the third year in a row. So kudos to you. That's awesome. Oh, thank you. I'm really humbled and honored by that. And I will say that it's definitely a team effort. That Forbes list, best in state wealth advisor list is there's a lot of criteria and measures that are taken to, you know, be on that list. And so it makes me really proud that we're able to be on there and be recognized, but also to be helping people along the way with their finances. And that's what really, you know, propels that. Right. It's just kind of satisfying knowing that we're putting our best effort out there. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about some of these horrible horrible habits because the reality is that if you have horrible money habits it's going to keep you stuck in a financial rut and it's going to prevent you from moving forward right one of the hardest parts is really actually acknowledging them so <laughs> right <laughs> really the 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 way to put your best foot forward is acknowledging those bad behaviors that are sabotaging your financial future and the more you do that, the, and then you're going to be able to kind of start looking at ways to help deter those bad habits. Right. So here's one, and, and many of you have solved this, and especially as you get older, then this is something that people tend to have figured out. But for you younger listeners or free people or maybe struggling a little bit, one of the worst horrible money habits that you can have is living without an emergency fund. Right. An emergency fund is something that is so critical in making sure that you can put your best foot forward because you have to have that money there in case things come up, in case yeah. the unplanned expenses come up or, you know, mm -hmm. something that you, obviously you weren't planning, but just to cover those expenses if something happened to you. I think this is fair to say. Life is full of costly surprises <laughs> and emergencies that, you know, take a bite out of your pocketbook. Right. <laughs> So it's good to even start off, you know, even with a tiny emergency fund is better than none. So it's just starting again, that discipline, helping by right. starting out to make sure you're putting money, a set amount of money away each month is the best discipline for you. Yeah. So even a tiny one is better than nothing. So let's talk about that for a little bit. Getting to, you know, $50, $100 built up in an emergency fund is your starting point. But the reality is prudent financial managing suggests that you have about three months of your net income as a minimum somewhere that you're able to easily access that. Now, it might not necessarily be money literally in the bank, but somewhere where you can access that money without paying a lot of penalties or fees is really what's critical when it comes to emergency fund management. Right. So it's literally money in the bank safe. So it's not in a CD or invested in something like that. You want it completely liquid so you have access to it. So if you think about it, if something happens to you and you're unable to pay the bills, how are those bills and expenses going to be paid for you? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, just last week, um, my son had a little bit of a run-in with a car and some icy roads and had a trip to the emergency room. And I know that that is going to have thousands and thousands of dollars of medical bills that are going to come his way. Now, even though he has insurance, he still is going to have deductibles or co-pays. And, and then you find situations where 
the hospital might be covered by the insurance, but the emergency room doctor that saw you there isn't covered by that insurance. (laughs) And so, you know, there's all kinds of quirky things that come up like that, and that's what makes an emergency fund so important. So I recommend that if you don't have your emergency money where you want it, then you automate the savings into that. And even if it's just a few dollars a week, or if it's every once in a while you're doing something that matches your spending patterns to build that emergency fund, that's a great idea. You know, for those of you who like to go get that morning latte, there are apps out there where when you spend money on things like coffee, it will put an automatic certain amount of money into your savings account. So if you spend four bucks on the latte, you get four bucks also put in your savings account. So it's just a discipline (laughs) of automatically saving. So it's out of sight, out of mind. That's going to be the best discipline for you. Exactly. Okay, then another horrible money mistake is forgetting about your retirement planning. Not actually keeping retirement planning at the forefront of your mind as you go through your life. The reality is when it comes to retirement planning, it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. It's about the time that you have money invested in there. The length of that time really does help create wealth. And so if you are forgetting about your retirement, especially early on, you're missing out on a critical feature, which is length of time, which can potentially lead to compound interest and significant earnings. Right. And it's really hard to maybe think about those things. Maybe, you know, you're thinking about your golden years when you're just a new graduate or you're just getting your entry level job. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, when you start investing early, you're literally lacking in the ability to grow that, that giving that money that potential to grow longer so right. it's like you're buying your you're buying your retirement on sale <laughs> <laughs> we like that everybody likes a deal right the sales <laughs> the younger you are the more your retirement plan is on clearance <laughs> it's a good way of thinking about it I like that idea anytime there's a sale you know everyone's going to jump in they always want that deal so right so if you're closer to retirement you might have to double down on this you right. might have to put away a little bit more to get there it may, might even feel a little pinched but you know if you are going to be spending a significant amount of time in retirement, then you really do have to set yourself up for success by saving some money ahead of time for it. But boy, if you are a younger person, then use that to your advantage and let that money accumulate and grow because one of the most important factors in how much you accumulate really depends on when you start investing, even if you don't have a lot to invest. Here's a really cool scenario I want to go over. So just a quick little example. Let's say someone started investing at the age of 25. That person would have over 650000 by age 50, 65 if they had just an average return of 7%. With $250 a month going into something. Yeah, and that's yeah. not a massive amount it's of not contribution. A big amount. Yep. Mm-hmm. That same person, if they didn't start start saving until age 45, they would only have 130000 by their 65th birthday. Yeah, so it slices it into less than a third. <laughs> so that's right? a big, big difference. Yeah, major difference, and that's just nothing but time. So horrible money habit is forgetting about retirement, and our suggestion for a solution there is start doing it. <laughs> <laughs> really early, as early as you can. Even if it's little, yep. get those contributions going. Now, another horrible money habit that we see connected with retirement is that people aren't maximizing the match that's in their 401k. So if you have a 401k and your company is giving you a match, most of the time that means that they are matching a certain amount of what you're doing. So typically they work like this. If you put in 4%, they'll put in 4%. Or if you, because they're matching 100% up to 4%. 
Some of them are a 50% match. Like if you put in 4%, they'll put in 2% or something like that. But not putting in everything you can to maximize and capture the full company match is a horrible money mistake to make. It's free money that you're just giving up. And we like free money. <laughs> free money is the best. That's I mean, the come best. on. Yep. <laughs> That's what we like. So if you are missing the opportunity to get free money, that just doesn't make a lot of sense. So don't miss out on the retirement portion. That's a big part. Now, sometimes these matches come with what's called a vesting schedule. And a vesting schedule means that if you leave your job within a certain amount of time, you're going to forfeit a portion or potentially even all of what that company match is. So you do have to kind of factor that in with your thinking. But most of the time, they have um, vesting schedules that graduate up so maybe the first year you're 20% vested the second year you're 40% vested in those numbers and things like that and once you've been there long enough and are 100% vested then if you leave your job that money travels with you right so everything you contributed and then the employee and the employer portion would transfer with you so right exactly so that match is something that can add up over time not only is it going into your account but then it would be potentially earning for you as well and can really create something significant over a life time. Right. So even if you weren't 100% invested, it's still better taking some than none. So keep that in mind. Exactly. All right. One other horrible money mistake that I want to talk about is only paying the minimum on your credit cards. When you have a credit card balance and you are only paying the minimum, most of the time all you're doing is covering the interest on that and you're not chipping away very much at the actual principal amount of the debt. Right. So some people might think that they're paying down the debt or in fact it might actually be growing right. because they're just paying interest. <laughs> yes, exactly. So although credit cards can come with a lot of benefits, it's access to money, it's access to buying things before you have money, a lot of them comes with you know, rewards or points or things like that, which are all fun and nice. At the end of the day, credit card companies are not nonprofit companies. <laughs> and they really don't care about what your credit is. <laughs> <laughs> they care about the interest they make on the credit they've extended. That's how they make money. So to make credit cards work for you instead of working for the credit card companies, pay off your balance every month. You can still capture the rewards and the points without paying a dime of interest. So if you want the benefits that credit cards provide, then the best thing for you to do is not overuse them, not overextend them, and be setting yourself up to pay off the balance every single month. Right. It's kind of funny. My daughter is just getting to the age where she started to look at credit cards. And I said, you could probably get one, you know, but I said, do a little research on it and see what kind of deals that you have and what kind of interest rates it's going to be after the deal is gone. She called me about two weeks later and she said, oh my goodness, I can't believe this. It's like 20 and 30 and 25%. Yeah. You, it, they are, they are, uh, uh, rate of interest that you would never go take a loan out for right, that rate, no. ever. Yes. But you don't think about it because credit cards make it so easy to just use. And even better, I said, where did you find that information? She said, it was in the really fine print and it was behind <laughs> all the good enticing deals to get you in. And I said, exactly, that's the key. So you yeah. know, they entice you with getting in. So it was a really good experience for her too. I think that's a great story. Yep, yep. It's really something that's going to stick with her that she had to do the research to really understand it and then be like, oh my gosh, I see why my mom is saying that. Yeah, so there were different things that she had to look at, but I think she got a good one and she knows. So now she knows that by seeing how high those interest rates could be, is going to be even more of a discipline for her to be making sure she's paying it off. 
Congratulations to Mary Stirk for being named the 2020 Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors list for the third year running. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we are going to continue talking about horrible money habits, how to avoid them, and then what kind of solutions to put in place if you've been guilty of some of these habits so far. Right. And what we found out is one of the first ways to be able to get rid of these bad habits is to acknowledge them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I heard a great quote by a, a business coach named Dan Sullivan, and he says that all progress starts by telling the truth about where you are right now. So as Julie said, acknowledging that maybe some of your financial habits have put you in a position where you might not be exactly where you want to be right now is step one. And then you can build and grow from there. It's not acknowledging them is not going to help them go away. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. So the next horrible money habit that we want to talk about is carrying high interest debt. So when you have debt that has high interest on it, which could come from a credit card or it could come from some type of standalone loan that you have or something that maybe you got yourself into because you had bad credit and needed to take a loan out with a really high you know, debt interest rate on it, that can create havoc within your financial planning. Right. It can really rob you from, you know, helping you save and be a good spend a good be a good saver for the rest of your life. So it creates those bad habits that are really hard to break the longer you do them. Right. So if you have an installment loan of some type and it has this high interest rate, I would investigate any potential that you have to refinance that into something with a lower interest rate. And you do have to pay attention to refinancing costs and making sure that in your your loan with the high level of interest that there's no prepayment penalties or weird things like that. But high, high interest rates can really kill your ability to get ahead. And so avoiding them at all costs is really a good idea. Right. So you think you might be doing yourself a favor by simply paying and paying the minimums on some of those, but really you're not going to be making any forward progress. Therefore, that debt is still just lingering on you, <laughs> sticking around. Now, if you do have significant debt or if you do have multiple pools of debt, especially if they're not tied to any real asset, and what I mean by real asset is like if you have a loan that's not tied like to a car or a home or something like that, then the horrible money mistake that many people have is not having a debt reduction plan. You know, when you have a strong plan to reduce your debt, the likelihood that you're going to actually reduce it definitely increases. <laughs> right. <laughs> your higher, higher chances of success. So without a plan, then it's likely the debt's going to continue to sky, you know, spiral up until it maybe becomes out of control and bankruptcy becomes an issue for you. Right. Whereas by having a plan, it allows you to save the most that you can pay down and help you pay down those debts faster. And then you're applying it to those as you kind of you mm -hmm. do the snowball effect, as Dave Ramsey yeah. often says, once you get one debt paid off, take that payment and snowball it right into the next bill or debt that you're trying to pay down. Yeah, and there's actually two really good ways to do a debt snowball. Um, most people say, well, I need to focus on paying off my highest interest debt first. And that's normally the typical way to do it. Mm -hmm. um, the thing about that, though, is sometimes you need a win. You need a win to stay motivated. You need a win to keep going. And so sometimes when we look at debt reduction planning, we look at it to say, well, 
is there something that if you accelerated the payment on, you would be able to pay it off pretty quickly and then snowball that to your high interest debt faster? Right. Literally by seeing that satisfaction of closing out one of those, like yes. if it's a credit card or something, by pay, take, totally paying off one of those debts is going to give you that motivation and jumpstart that you might need to keep you going. Exactly. So if your highest interest debt is one of the larger debts, and it's going to be a long, long time until you pay that off, going for the more frequent wins where you're seeing something get to a zero balance might help you stay more motivated to continue on your debt reduction path. Either way, though, having a good debt reduction strategy is the key key to being able to get stable and solid in your financial situation once again. Now, one of the things that that often creates some of these kind of scenarios is making impulse purchases. <laughs> I'm guilty. <laughs> I know. And you know, stores do this on purpose to us. They put all this great stuff right up there by the checkout and we grab little things or big things even sometimes. And yeah, impulse purchases are something that drives us to the brink of financial disaster <laughs> for many people sometimes. <laughs> even sometimes if it's a sale, like I said, everyone's kind of a sucker for a sale. So a lot of times if it's on sale, you might get it. But do you really need it? <laughs> is really yes. kind of what you got to ask yourself. Mm -hmm. So when you think about the impulse purchases, that one of the things to try to do is to pause and ask yourself some questions. You know, did I plan to buy this? Is it in the budget that I have? And some people set like spending parameters based on the dollar amount. So it could be something that if it's something like I'm going to wait 50 hours before I buy anything over $50. <laughs> and if you do it that way, it's going to give you that pause to decide, do I really want to spend my $50 on it? Right. A lot of times when I'm shopping, I'll be walking through the store and I'm picking things up. Mm -hmm. By the time, and my daughter makes fun of me all the time, because by the time I'm at the end of the store, if I've been in there for a while, I've kind of thought about it. It's not so that, you know, that I need yep. it. And I kind of analyze that. And then I end up putting half the stuff back. Yeah, <laughs> so that's a go. good thing, just kind of being in there and walking around. So that's kind of my my little trick. But You hear about people laughing when they go to Target, that they go to Target for one thing and walk out with a shopping cart full. And, and that's exactly what we're talking about is those kind of situations. You also can curb this impulse spending um, piece by making agreements with your significant other. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of times that couples will say to each other, well, you know, you can spend anything under a certain dollar amount without talking to each other, but if it's over a certain dollar amount, we at least have to talk about it first. For some people, that's $100. For some people, that's $1,000. So you pick how many zeros you want in that number, but having that other person there to help create that pause in the impulse spending can really be a helpful thing. Right. Those parameters are just ways to set you up for financial success. So Absolutely. Now, along with that, you know, when you think about how you're doing those impulse buys, another horrible money habit can just be indiscriminate spending and not being mindful or intentional about where your money's going. So lack of intentionality in your outgoing expenses is the next horrible money habit I want to talk about. So what I mean by that is this. You, many people have things like online subscriptions to places that they no longer use. 
but they're not paying attention to the fact that that's hitting their PayPal account or that's hitting their credit card on a monthly basis, and they're still paying for it even though they don't use it. Right. A lot of times you sign up for those, and because more and more people have stuff online and they don't look at those paper statements, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. You forget that you signed up for them, and you're still paying for them. Right. Another place that we see this kind of broad spread and kind of what we call creep happen is in um, streaming services. Mm -hmm. So you might have started out with cable, and then maybe you added Netflix. And then you decided cable wasn't what you wanted, so maybe you go to like a Sling TV or an Amazon Prime. And then you can't get something on that show, so you activate Hulu. (laughs) And by the time that you get done, you've got five or six streaming services out there that continue to raise their prices, and all of a sudden you're paying three or four times more for entertainment than you were when you just had like cable and Netflix. Right. So I'm I'm not advocating for any one company of what you should have or you should do. I'm just saying that check it at the door. Like how many streaming services do you need to have and to be paying for? What's the reasonable amount in your budget? In order to help you kind of achieve that is to look at it maybe say once a year to sit down and look at all the services that you have. Look at those bills. Instead of just paying the bills, sit down and say, hey, what things am I am I paying on and do I still really need them? Or have I completely forgotten about even how to log into that to cancel it? Yeah. I've done that too. <laughs> so just set a parameter so you're at least revisiting it because again, like I said, most people aren't seeing those on their statements and when you signed up for something, it might have been free for so many months or free for a year or you know an introductory price and then it's going to jump up for you so just comparing those prices and looking at better deals another place where you can kind of trim some of this non-intentional spending is um, telephone services so if you're still have a landline and you just don't use it but you've just had it forever and it's kind of part of your package people don't think about maybe turning that off Um, And then the last place that I would say about that makes sense to do is that gym membership. (laughs) So I bet there's some listeners out there who just activated a gym membership, you know. New Year's resolution. (laughs) Yep, recent start of the year, getting in shape, things like that. But if you're not going and you haven't been to the gym in several months, don't think that paying that gym membership is going to make you go. (laughs) Or it's going to take those pounds off. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's just going to reduce the amount of cash you have. (laughs) And a lot of times if you, you know, you get rid of that membership, a lot of times when you call to cancel the membership or cancel a service, they might throw you a a deal your way to try and get you to stay on. So, you know, in the end you might stay on, but you might get a better price by doing so, by doing your due diligence and looking into it. Exactly. Okay, so the other, the last horrible money habit that I want to talk about is in terms of your investments, and it's not being mindful with your investments in terms of checking their performance levels. So what I mean by that is it, you might be investing and you might think that you're well allocated and well diversified, but how often are you actually checking the performance of what you're invested in to its peer group? If, if there's a lot of different things that are trying to do what your investments are doing, how are you doing compared to them? And do you know how to check those things? And do you right. have, you know, the discipline to do it? Or are you making sure someone's doing that for you? A horrible money habit is just simply not paying attention to your investments. So let me tell you what, if you're one of those people who gets your investment statements and doesn't even open them and just throws them in a drawer, <laughs> and I know that some of you out there listening do exactly just that, <laughs> if you're one of those people, then it makes sense that you should have a strong relationship with a financial advisor who's doing that performance checking for you. 
And don't just assume that they are. You literally need to ask what their discipline is and what how what how are they doing a performance check for you? Right, exactly. And if they can't come up with a good answer with a certain timeline, if their answer isn't something like we're looking at this quarterly, we're using Morningstar, we're doing peer group benchmarking and things like that, then it might be time to shop for a new financial advisor. And we know who you should call. <laughs> we have a couple names. <laughs> All right. Well, we hope that uh, going through some of these horrible money habits is going to inspire you to make some positive financial changes of your own. And we thank you for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can ensure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Insurance offered through Stirk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated. Neither Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated nor its representatives provide tax or legal advice. You should consult a qualified attorney or tax professional to answer your specific questions. Stirk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dune, South Dakota, 57049 and can be reached at 605-217-3555. Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors list includes 10 recipients per state. The award is based on qualitative and quantitative data, rating thousands of wealth advisors with a minimum of seven years of experience and weighing factors like revenue trends, assets under management, compliance records, industry experience, and best practices. The award is not based on portfolio performance or client reviews. There is no fee in exchange for rankings. Third-party rankings and recognitions are no guarantee of future investment success and do not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a higher level of performance or results. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client nor are they representative of any one client's evaluation.